back, distorting his face, so it looked like he was frowning, as if he were in pain. Try explaining that and the handcuffs to his family in Mississippi, deep down there in Mississippi where camouflage is normal and gay men are not. I've never been to Mississippi, Dr. Marcus said blandly, and maybe what he really meant was he didn't care about the hanging or any tragedy that had no direct impact on his life, but that wasn't what she heard because she wasn't listening. I'd like to help you, she told him as she opened a new bottle of unfiltered olive oil, even though it wasn't necessary to open it right that minute. But it's probably not a good idea for me to get involved in any case of yours. She was angry but denied it as she moved about her large, well-equipped kitchen of stainless steel appliances and polished granite countertops and big, bright views of the intracoastal waterway. She was angry about Aspen but denied it. She was just angry and she didn't want to bluntly remind Dr. Marcus that she was fired from the same job he now enjoys, which is why she left Virginia with no plans for ever coming back. But a long silence from him forced her to go on and say that she didn't leave Richmond under amicable conditions, and certainly he must know it. Kay, that was a long time ago, he replied, and she was professional and respectful enough to call him Dr. Marcus, and here he was calling her Kay. She was startled by how offended she was by his calling her Kay, but she told herself he was friendly and personal while she was touchy and overly sensitive, and maybe she was jealous of him and wished him failure, accusing herself of the worst pettiness of all. It was understandable that he would call her Kay instead of Dr. Scarpetta, she told herself, refusing to pay attention to her feelings. We have a different governor, he went on. It's likely she doesn't even know who you are. Now he was implying that Scarpetta is so unimportant and unsuccessful that the governor has never heard of her. Dr. Marcus was insulting her. Nonsense, she counted herself. Our new governor is rather much consumed with the Commonwealth's enormous budget deficit and all the potential terrorist targets we've got here in Virginia. Scarpetta scolded herself for her negative reaction to the man who succeeded her. All he wanted was help with a difficult case, and why shouldn't he track her down? It's not unusual for CEOs fired from major corporations to be called upon later for advice and consultation. And she's not going to Aspen, she reminded herself. Nuclear power plants, numerous military bases, the FBI Academy, a not-so-secret CIA training camp, the Federal Reserve. You won't have any problem with the Governor Kay. She's too ambitious, actually, too focused on her Washington aspirations, the truth be told, to care about what's going on in my office. Dr. Marcus went on in his smooth southern accent, trying to disabuse Scarpetta of the idea that her riding back into town after being ridden out of it five years earlier would cause controversy or even be noticed. She wasn't really convinced, but she was thinking about Aspen. She was thinking about Benton, about his being in Aspen without her. She has time on her hands, she was thinking, so she could take on another case because she suddenly has more time. Scarpetta drives slowly around the block where she was headquartered in an early stage of her life that now seems as finished as something can be. Puffs of dust drift up as machines assault the carcass of her old building like giant yellow insects. Metal blades and buckets clank and thud against concrete and dirt. Trucks and earth-moving machines roll and jerk. Tires crush and steel belts rip. Well, Scarpetta says, I'm glad I'm seeing this, but someone should have told me. 
Pete Marino, her passenger, silently stares at the raising of the squat, dingy building at the outer limits of the banking district. I'm glad you're seeing it too, Captain, she adds, although he isn't a captain anymore, but when she calls him captain, which isn't often, she is being gentle with him. Just what the doctor ordered, he mutters in a sarcastic tone that is his most common tone, like middle C on a piano. And you're right. Someone should have told you, that someone being the prickless wonder who took your place. He begs you to fly here when you haven't set foot in Richmond for five years and can't bother to tell you the old joint's being torn down. I'm sure it didn't cross his mind, she says. The little prick, Marino replies. I hate him already. This morning, Marino is a deliberate, menacing mixture of messages in black cargo pants, black police boots, a black vinyl jacket, and an LAPD baseball cap. Obvious to Scarpetta is his determination to look like a tough big city outsider because he still resents the people in this stubborn small city who mistreated him or dissed him or bossed him around when he was a detective here. Rarely does it occur to him that when he was written up, suspended, transferred, or demoted, usually he deserved it, that when people are rude to him, usually he provokes them. Slouched in the seat with sunglasses on, Marino looks a bit silly to Scarpetta. Who knows, for example, that he hates all things celebrity, that he especially hates the entertainment industry and the people, including cops, who are desperate to be part of it. The cap was a wise guy gift from her niece, Lucy, who recently opened an office in Los Angeles, or Lost Angeles, as Marino calls it. So here is Marino returning to his own lost city, Richmond, and he has choreographed his guest appearance by looking exactly like what he's not. Huh he muses in a lower pitch of voice. Well, so much for Aspen. I guess Benton's pretty pissed. Actually, he's working a case, she says. So a few days' delay is probably a good thing. A few days, my ass. Nothing ever takes a few days. Bet you never get to Aspen. What case is he working? He didn't say, and I didn't ask, she replies, and that's all she intends to say because she doesn't want to talk about Benton. Marino looks out the window and is silent for a moment, and she can almost hear him thinking about her relationship with Benton Wesley, and she knows Marino wonders about them, probably constantly, and in ways that are unseemly. Somehow he knows that she has been distant from Benton, physically distant, since they got back together and it angers and humiliates her that Marino would detect such a thing. If anyone would figure it out, he would. Well, that's a damn shame about Aspen, Marino says. If it was me, it would really piss me off. Take a good look, she says, referring to the building being knocked down right before their eyes. Look now while we're here, she says, because she does not want to talk about Aspen or Benton or why she isn't there with him or what it might be like or what it might not be like. When Benton was gone all those years, a part of her left. When he came back, not all of her did, and she doesn't know why. Well, I guess it's about time they tore the place down, Marino says, looking out his window. I guess because of Amtrak. Seems I heard something about it, about needing another parking deck down here because of them opening Main Street Station. I forget who told me. It was a while ago. It would have been nice if you had told me, she says. It was a while ago. I don't even remember who I heard it from. 
Information like that is a good thing for me to know. He looks at her. I don't blame you for being in a mood. I warned you about coming here. Now look what we find right off. We haven't even been here an hour, and look at this. Our old joints being smashed up with a wrecking ball. It's a bad sign, you ask me. You're going maybe two miles an hour. Maybe you ought to speed up. I'm not in a mood, she replies. But I like to be told things. She drives slowly, staring at her old building. I'm telling you, it's a bad sign, he says, staring at her, then out his window. Scarbetta doesn't speed up as she watches the destruction, and the truth sinks in slowly, as slowly as her progress around the block. The former office of the Chief Medical Examiner and Division of Forensic Science Laboratories is well on its way to becoming a parking deck for the restored Main Street Railway Station, which never saw a train during the decade she and Marino worked and lived here. The hulking Gothic station is built of stone the hue of old blood, and was dormant for long years, until, with but a few agonal twitches, it was transformed into shops, which soon failed, and then state offices, which soon closed. Its tall clock tower was a constant on the horizon, watching over sweeping bends of I-95 and train overpasses, a ghostly white face with filigree hands frozen in time. Richmond has moved on without her. Main Street Station has been resurrected and is a hub for Amtrak. The clock works. The time is sixteen minutes past eight. The clock never worked all those years it followed Scarpetta in her mirrors as she drove back and forth to take care of the dead. Life in Virginia has moved on, and no one bothered to tell her. I don't know what I expected, she said.